Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for another edition of Adventures in Careerland. audience out there it's adriano magnifico back with we're in season three and episode seven but overall this is episode number 31 i can't believe we've done 31 episodes of this inglorious podcast and i'm broadcasting i am the well i'm broadcasting from the louis riel arts and tech center in an odd way i'm the career and entrepreneurship facilitator in the louis riel school division we broadcast from the arts and technology center broadcast media program but today we're not really doing that because we had an outage yesterday and all of the hard work these people were working on that that broadcast crew that works in one of the 13 programs in the Louis Riel School Division's Arts and Technology Center they had to stop stop cold and leave everything up in the broadcast studio so the broadcast studio is full of all kinds of things my colleagues are going to speak to you about I'm here with two of these learned and smart, hardworking students about to embark on life journeys that will be incredible, that will change the scope of living and learning and possibility. Zoe Kruzik, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm good. Are you okay with that description? Are you ready to take on the world? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Yeah, you looked at me, your eyes kind of popped out of your head. What is he talking about now? (laughs) Yeah. And you are from, what's that little town in Manitoba, St. Anne's, but you're in a special place, a high school. What's it called? Point de Chain. Point de Chain. And she says it with such beauty and and, and elegance. I feel like I'm watching an episode of Baptiste. Nobody knows what that is, but it's uh, Julian Baptiste. Anyway, and we're also with Akira Sakaki, who's uh, actually graduated from Windsor Park Collegiate. And he's come back to do more here and upgrade his schooling so that he gets a a leg up on that working possibility for himself. Akira, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? You know what? I'm I'm good as always. I'm freezing, though, and I'll tell you why. It's cold. It's not that bad. It's freezing in here. It's freezing in here because we are, because the studio is not available to us, we are in the Arts and Technology Center gymnasium in the middle of the room. If you hear a small buzzing, uh, like... It's like the vents or something. Like yeah. the vents. It, that's oh, what's going the on. electrical stuff. Yeah. All the electrical stuff. We're pretty technical. We have great know-how. The electrical <laughs> stuff seems to be um, in, in some kind of disrepair here. So if you hear a little buzzing, uh, you may have to... You just may have to bear it. Unless my Cracker Jack production team can get that buzzing out during <laughs> editing and production well and it won't be perfect but it might be better it'll be better yeah. i like that because you're getting skilled so why do you two take a program like this tell me why uh i took this program like you said i took this program because i wanted to kind of get a leg up on the competition um i'm really into graphic design so i, I thought that having broadcast media under my belt as well would just kind of give me that extra bit of I guess, a head start on everyone else. And, um, I mean, that's why I took the program. But now I'm just really engaged in everything that we're doing because it's actually so much fun to do. That's pretty cool. Zoe, why did you take this program? Well, I've always been a fan of, like, 
like the film industry because I, I know I've wanted to go get into a career in that so when I found out about the broadcast media program I was like that's a good start that's a good step and I mean my school is paying for it so it's yeah, I joined, and yeah, it's been a lot of fun. And you nailed it, Zoe. Find programs that other people pay for. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because, I forgot yeah. to mention that. It's all for free. <laughs> yeah, it's all for free. This is a huge part of life. And on that note, we have someone with great insight into life because he's been living it, and he's had a, a kind of a multifarious path. Really cool. We have with us today a former student of mine from way back when, the year 2000. Joel Boyce. Joel, how are you, sir? I'm doing well, thank you. Thank you for having me on. Oh, it's just, it, it's our pleasure to have you on. And I've always said Joel has this great kind of radio voice. I think the midnight radio voice. So as, as he talks, you may be just seduced by his melodic tones. He's just got this great, deep voice. He's, he's, he's Will Arnett potential, I think. I, 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 can you say to me, I'm Batman? Can you say that to me, Joel? I am Batman. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> You're not giving me the Will Arnett Batman. Anyway, the no, Lego. Not, not, not. not even the Lego Batman. Oh, gosh. Anyway, so, Joel, tell us what you're doing right now, because um, I, I've kept in touch with you over the years, and uh, you're always up to something a little interesting, a little different, and you're always pushing the envelope on your skills and where they lie and, and, and who you connect with. So what are you up to right now? Uh, well, I actually changed positions. Uh, I, I should maybe first mention that uh, I'm a, trained as a teacher, so I, I did a Bachelor of Education degree. And I've been working in that area or adjacent to that area, you know, since then. Uh, but when the pandemic started, um, I was working at a not-for-profit uh, and working in uh, an adult education program that was attached to that not-for-profit. And we had to very quickly deal with moving online. Uh, when everything got shut down so that we could keep on supporting our, our students with all their, their educational needs as well, you know, uh, sure that we could be able to help them with uh, other types of support that we provide, including job searching and making sure that they can uh, you know, access food and services, things like that. Um, and then um, I took a, a new position um, that was part of the government response, the Manitoba government response to the pandemic, which was an expansion of uh, online education. Yeah, we had a lot of that in Lurie-Riel. We had our own learning from home, and different divisions were doing it on their own, right? Yeah, uh, I think that uh, every division did something a little bit different. Some of them built their homegrown programs. Some of them uh, relied on um, referrals to existing programs like my own, uh, like the you know the educational support center that was brought up at some point in that first year. It took a little while to get going. Um, but yeah, it just sort of, sort of depended on the division. But, uh, but my program is accessible to, to every school division. So even if the school division has their existing online learning program, they have the option to refer students to us as well. Well, I, I pretty much think those are gone. I think you, you're, uh, it's called InformNet, correct? Mm -hmm. Yes. And I, I, I think, uh, I think you're the you're the uh, program now. If someone, we, like we don't have ours in Real. I taught in it last year in the learning from home program. And so we don't have that anymore. I know Winnipeg one doesn't have it anymore. So I think they're all going to you now. Is, is the population pretty heavy right now in this, in this uh, online learning program? Informant? Well, we, we have been expanding our, our staffing size ever since I started. So I was one of the original four 
that were hired uh, at the beginning of the previous school year, the 2020-2021 school year, um, where this program has been around for 20 years, but it's always being staffed by part-time uh, part-time teachers who are working in the existing school, and then instead of replacing one or two of their live classes, they would online class. And so they were from all over, yes. Canada Trail School Division, St. James School Division. This is the first time that the that the program hired multiple full-time people, and, and after us, original four, there were a couple more who were added right. second semester, a couple more that were added after that, so we're already up to eight or nine. Yeah, so you're practically becoming your own independent school, kind of, right? That uh, is catering to everyone. Yeah. That's pretty cool. And, so you me, know, a lot of students. So, now, I remember you way back at River East Collegiate. You were in my career internship program. Do you remember that program? I remember it well. Okay, tell me why a kid like you in high school, because you were an advanced placement kid. You were taking some advanced placement courses in chem and physics, and you were in my English class, which was part of the career internship program. And in that program... You were going out to do internships with companies, do lots of employability skill development, but you were also kind of immersed in this school within a school pedagogical world where we were really thinking about the future. Now, you were at River East in grade 11, and I would come around and recruit, and rumor had it, I, I was a hard recruiter. Um, I really went after kids and said, you got to do this. Did I come after you like that? Uh, well, not me specifically, but I do remember <laughs> I do remember that presentation uh, when I was in grade eleven, and uh, it, it was a packed house in there. And well, you obviously got my attention because I signed up. Yeah. So now, when you're doing that, your advanced placement, you're taking the sciences because you know you're a really smart kid. And it, when you're taking, when you have that affinity for science, the, the guidance counselors tell you take the three sciences. Keep all your options open. And these guys are shaking their heads here like they've heard that a hundred times. And it's it's the ubiquitous guidance counselor line. Keep your options open. But you chose to go off the beaten path and try this. Why? Well, I did take all the sciences. I did keep my options open. But I crammed in career de- the career development and the career exploration and the internship of CIP with, I don't know, I, I wasn't... Uh, I hadn't really taken on those modes of thinking before. I, I don't think I was thinking about uh, how businesses are organized, how to how to build a career, uh, how to sell yourself to a potential employer. Um, and uh, I thought, oh, I'm not sure I know that much about this, so let's let's give it a shot. Yeah, and that's and 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 when you came in, you were uh, um, you you were one of the outstanding students in that program. Now. You've gone into teaching. So what in the world, how did you discover this interest in teaching? Where did these seeds get dropped in you? Uh, well, I I remember thinking about this. Uh, I, I majored in physics uh, for my undergrad. And as I was getting towards the end of my Bachelor of Science degree, um, what, what, what was going to be next? And, uh, you know, with a Bachelor of Science in physics, uh, one option is you go into engineering. Um, so I, I knew I could do that, and it would take about two two additional years, and I would be an engineer. Um, another option is graduate school. That would probably take longer. Uh, well, certainly it would take longer. And another option was teaching, which was the same length of it as engineering. It would be an additional two years. And uh, it was partly uh, partly a practical decision. Uh, you know, we had a joint program at uh, the University of Winnipeg, where I went with the University of Minnesota, where if you finished a physics degree, you could get directly direct entry to the engineering program, and it would only be two extra years. 
because a lot of your physics courses would transfer over. But I would have had to, uh, you know, travel across the border. I would have had to pay uh, pay for rent or, or dorm, and I, I would have I would have built up some some debt. Um, and then, uh, so that's that's part of the reason that I, I lean towards something I could do without leaving uh, without leaving the city. So that was now. So. Were you really, was that really a huge decision for you? Was this a cataclysmic decision in your life? Did you really want to do it? Or did you just thought, oh, I don't want to get into it? No, I, I don't think that I, I really, I had a sense of the import of the career you pick is the next 30 or 40 years of your life. So Yes, and you, you demonstrated know, that. So I, this is fascinating stuff. This is good stuff. Yeah, I just sort of, I, I, I kind of, I think I limited engineering pretty quickly on that basis. There was another, another thing, which was, which was that I always felt like I was much better at the theoretical side rather than the practical side. I wasn't the kid who loved, I, I, did, I played with Legos, but I wasn't the kid who loved taking things apart and putting things together. I was the kid who loved working out the math and thinking about concepts and, you know, how was the black hole constructed. That was the stuff that kind of got me. And I thought to myself, boy, I sure had fun as a high school student in my physics class, um, not just physics class, I had fun with my, my English classes and other things too, but I thought, wouldn't it be cool just to be talking about these cool things and showing these cool mathematical techniques and, and drawing diagrams of the birth of the universe. Uh, so I thought, I think I would probably enjoy that. And I'm not sure if I would enjoy engineering. Uh, in retrospect, I think I would have. But at the time, I thought, I don't know. I don't know if that, I don't know if that would be fun. And that, that was about the extent of it. Yeah. What kind of engineer were you into? Were you mechanical? Were you nano? What were you thinking at that time? Mm, I'm not sure. Probably something in mechanical, robotics, maybe electrical engineering. I don't think I would have looked at civil engineering. Yes. Uh, but probably something more on the tech side, if I were to do it. Okay. Okay. So... That that's an interesting decision. Do you ever think, hey, I, I can go back there? Or I'm going to go back to engineering one day, or is that just something now you use some of the spirit of engineering and the that that theoretical? My son did it, and he'd lock himself in his room and do thermodynamics or something, and for a weekend, and then you know I, I'd open the door, bring I'd just slide food under the door every once in a while. He that's that's tough work. Do you like that analytical? Break it down, figure it out. What's the best way problem-solving piece of the mechanical engineering piece or any kind of engineering piece? I, I definitely do like breaking things down and problem-solving. And uh, one of the things that I learned early on in my um, Bachelor of Education is uh, I need to work on this side of things uh, so that when I am teaching uh, physics or math or chemistry that um, I ha I'm able to uh, give my students these opportunities to work on those skills because some of those yes. students might be leaning more towards the practical side. I have to be an all-around physics teacher. I can't just say, I like this kind of physics. I like these types of skills. I need to give them everything. Uh, and as I did it, I discovered a love of it. Oh, that's awesome, because that's the hardest thing of all. And I, I was kind of moving toward that. The teaching is actually, in a lot of ways, much more difficult when it comes to the outcome, because teachers stand at the front of the room sometimes. And I know we've worked another kind of interdisciplinary, we're moving toward interdisciplinary and project-based learning and all those kinds of good things where there's more student voice and choice. And you obviously see that because you're in the profession. But when a teacher's at the front of the room, he or she or they know their stuff inside out. Communicating that 
and ensuring that the student also knows that is the greatest challenge of all, isn't it? Yeah, and I, I think that one thing that we realize, and I know you know this, is um, we can't expect to achieve every possible outcome for every possible student. We have to lay out these different skills and interests and students are going to pick the kinds of places where they specialize and where they really grab on. And, and, and the learning style of students are so varied and so different that uh, when you're speaking to students who go, I get it, there's a whole other group on the side going, what is he talking about? And of course, Akira is nodding to this. Why are you nodding, Akira? Uh, I... Have you been a confused student most of your life? Uh, no, well, <laughs> to be honest, like, I, my learning style has always been like hands-on learning. So I, I didn't really enjoy that much. We call that kinesthetic. Yeah, exactly. I was kinesthetic. Yeah. So uh, I really didn't enjoy that much, like sitting and learning. But I, I feel like it takes, because I saw it a lot, especially in classes like, like math and chemistry and all that. It takes a special type of teacher to really be able to engage students into like what they're teaching. Because I know that they know what they're talking about. Yes. But they don't know that we don't know what, what they're talking about. Dude, you know? uh, dude, I think you got a rap song. Here. Yeah. So it's, I it, don't know what they don't know. And the, and the funny thing is she would stand like she would teach it. And then she go like, do you guys understand? We go, no. So she would write it again the same way. And I was just, I thought this is a little redundant. Because I, I, I don't understand it even worse now. Yeah, exactly. Thank, I'm like, this is pretty that. redundant because yeah, I'm, not, I'm not learning anything. Like you didn't change anything. You're just writing it all over again. So it, it does take a special type of teacher to kind of engage students and make sure they understand. What do you think, Zoe? What do you, what, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I don't know what I'm talking about. Anyway, no, I'm asking like to hear the right voice. Are there times in school when you don't get it? And, oh, yeah. And, but the teacher just kind of leaves the room done the lesson and you're left to fend for yourself yeah. oh yeah yep. okay yeah. How, how do you feel when that's going on i get frustrated because i don't want to ask i don't want to be that person that has to go ask for help because i want to figure it out on my own but in the end i never do and then <laughs> i don't understand what's happening afterwards and honestly though it's like it's so hard because i'm also like it, it's like you don't want to be that student that has to like go ask but so, at the same so time, are you, you guys behind. afraid? Okay, but are yeah. you guys afraid to put up your hand and say, "I'm gonna"? Sometimes I, I have a question. Sometimes yes. because, because I've had, I've you had. You think like, you look like a horse's petunia? Well, no, I've <laughs> had teachers, and like I'm not gonna name people, but I've had teachers that like I'll put up my hand, and then they'll kind of like single you out and just be like, "Why don't you understand?" I'm like, "I, I don't know. I don't." Well, get they're not it. saying no, that directly, I, but no. with their eyes, right? Yeah, they kind of look at you, or like, like, like I've had people pull me aside and be like, "Are you not like paying attention?" Because everyone else gets <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, and I'm just like. I, I don't learn the same way as everyone else. Like every student's different, and it takes, yeah, it it it's different. Like you can't what what you were saying. You can't expect all students to learn everything the same way because we don't all learn the same way. Some students are good at sitting there and observing, like absorbing all the knowledge that's getting thrown at them, and some students learn by actually doing it. So yeah, it's hard. It's hard. So, Joel, yeah. what did you just? What do you think about what you just heard? No, I, I think that's all one hundred percent correct, and. Uh, as you kind of move out of high school and into uh, into a career or into post secondary, you start to learn a little bit more about yourself as a learner. Yes. and you know you start to realize this is how I make it work for me. And you also you also select uh, what you're going to study, right? So um, you're not necessarily going to find somebody who's going to teach you uh, you know nuclear chemistry through interpretive dance, but you you kind of realize there are a couple of different ways I can learn this. I know how to approach it. I know that I'm not getting as much out of this uh, aspect of it, but I know that if I 
do these particular things. So maybe it's uh, writing down notes and making lots of visuals. Maybe that makes things connect more. For me, um, when I would take like a humanities course, uh, or not even really humanities, maybe more social sciences, um, I, I found that if I tried to write down everything that the person was saying, everyone around me was scribbling furiously. I found when I tried to write down what the professor was saying, I found that I wasn't retaining it. And that, so I could basically was just basically saving myself another hour of rereading the same notes that they gave me in the first place and hoping I would retain it the second time. And when I started just listening and just engaging in the moment, I found that I was able to retain it. But some people can't do that. And so they need to write down the notes. Some people like are like me; they can't write down the notes. They have to listen, at yeah. least for that type of type of thing. Well, I was one of those guys who wrote down the notes furiously. It was nothing for me in a university class to take twenty pages of notes in a forty-five minute class. Twenty pages. Twenty pages, baby. I could write like Superman had X-ray vision. I'm not even sure how that connects, but I could do it. Like I could just rip this stuff off, and people wanted my notes. Because I was practically a stenographer in there, verbal. I even had the I even have the prof jokes in my notes. <laughs> that was pretty pathetic. So you wrote down every word they said. Well, almost. But I had a I had an abbreviated kind of um, I don't know shorthand for it all too. Yeah. No. If you can like just like point blank. That's pretty cool. So anyway, Joel, we digress, but we digress on great things. This is about learning and about making sure. Like you're in a profession where the toughest thing in the world is to make sure students, and to get feedback. Do you get feedback from your students? I do that all the time now. Like I'm constantly asking students. I just talked to a company that said, hey, can we try something out in the students? Here's our format for teachers. And I just told the company, it's not about the teachers, man. It's about the teachers. And do you want me to set up a focus group for students? And he went, oh, I'll get back to you. Well, you're missing the point, company, right? It's your user is the person who will tell you how to shape it and direct it into the, into the format that's more engaging, that will connect to your audience. So anyway, you moved on here, Joel. Um, like right after high school, I mean, not, not after high school. Well, yes, after high school, you got your university degree. Um, you're, you're, you have this engineering mind. I always saw it in you. You have this problem-solving analytical mind. I could see it in your eyes all the time. When I was at the front of the room, I was more animated, you're, I, it, like physically animated at the front of the room. Is that fair to say when I was in your class? I would agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> and you were, you were, a, you're a great listener. You take things in, but the stuff that comes out of you is always so innovative and thoughtful, e even in the, in the assignments and in the kind of work. So you decide to go off to China. When did that happen? You went to China. I went there uh, right after finishing my teaching degree and I actually did teach over there uh, for that, that one year. So you were teaching English. Is that one of those you're teaching English to, to uh, in, in, in an English school in China, or what was that? I was that? teaching Explain. in English, uh, but I was actually teaching math and science, um, which is it's a good thing I was teaching English because, you know, the only Chinese words I learned were, you know, thank you and eggplant, so it doesn't get me very far. Well, yeah, chiezu. That's a little random. Yeah. No, it was my favorite dinner dish. Chiezu, <laughs> eat that. So that every time you went to a restaurant, you ate that. That reminds me of my dad. He was, he was kind of... Uh, I'll never forget, he couldn't speak Italian. He had to go to a, um, uh, he, he had to work somewhere and they brought him off to work, but he couldn't speak English. He was a new guy and he's working on the team and the only thing he could say was cheese sandwich. And when he went to the cafeteria, the, the guy ordered a cheese sandwich for like a month because he couldn't say roast beef and potatoes like everyone else was getting. And it, it, it's a bittersweet story. I've written a story about it. 
And it, it, like, it, it, it just reminds me of sometimes when you're a stranger in a strange line, it's the language. Did you find the language kind of was a, was a great challenge when you walked outside of your English teaching environment? Well, I was, I was definitely not in a tourist city. There were not very many English speakers where I was. Um, so you, get, you can get by a lot uh, for, you know, basic commerce, buying, buying things, um, ordering food, just with gestures, pointing at things. Uh, a lot of shopkeepers would kind of type in the amount into a calculator and then show me the screen so I knew how much I had to pay them. Um, and, you know, that you, you can get by. Yes. Um, you yeah, know, you're not, yeah. not making friends that way, but you get by. <laughs> you're not making friends. Well, you figure it out, right? We're kind of survivors, right? My dad always said that. He always said when he came over, he goes, I don't know how I survived, but he did. And a lot of it was hand gesture, smiles, and he always said yes, even when he didn't yeah. know. That's what I, when I went to Italy, I went to school in Italy for a while. I just said yes to everything. You know, you know, the, they could bring me, I'd be at a restaurant and, and the guy would say something to me, the, the restaurateur or the uh, waiter, waitress. And I'd say, yes, see, and they'd bring me a shoe with cheese on it. I didn't even know what I ordered. But it was, it was always just this, my fallback position was to be agreeable and happy and not bring attention to myself. Was that a bit in China for you or no? Yeah, and actually I think it's kind of an interesting uh, experience to be in that boat because you kind of see what it's like, to, uh, what it's like for someone who has low literacy. Yes. Uh, you have to develop all the same sort of coping mechanisms. Like, I can't read the sign, so I use context clues. But, you know, I think that there's even a broader thing there because you don't really – you don't know what you don't know. And I, I, I think that, um, you know, I see people who uh, are maybe lower in their mathematical literacy, and I don't think we emphasize that as much as um, written literacy. Uh, maybe for good reason. But, uh, you know, I know people in the professional world um, you know, who are, you're holding down jobs and, um, you know, they might be in supervisor positions, manager positions, but they have low, new, low number sense. And, uh, they don't even realize that certain things are, are mathematical problems because they don't have the skill set, So it just doesn't even come up as an option for them. Yes. So they have other ways of getting around it. Like, Oh, I'll just get the, uh, I'll get the payroll person to figure that out. I can't figure it out. Right on. Right on. So in China, what did you, uh, how long were you there, and what did you get most out of the China, aside from understanding that eggplant is your gig? I, I think the, uh, the chance to, to visit a, a few different countries on the cheap was great because I had just graduated and I didn't really have much money. So having a person hire me and fly me over there was great, and then paying me enough money that I could go on a trip to Tibet for a week when I had a week off, go to Thailand for a week when I had a week off. To bed. Did you good. climb a mountain or something and hope to f find some guru up there to give you the secret of life? Isn't that what we talk about in Tibet? I no? climbed a small mountain, or maybe <laughs> it was more of a large hill, somewhere somewhere in there. I didn't find anyone at the top, but uh, I did. I did learn about the uh, the physiology of, of altitude and uh, how much more your muscles burn when you're not used to having less oxygen content. That was interesting. How did I know you were going to say something like that? I'm looking for some mystical, and you're talking about the science of it. How did I know you were going to say that, Joel? <laughs> you're just you're brilliant awesome it's uh so how long in china a couple of years one year just one just one school year okay and then you came back and what's going through your head when you come back because that's kind of you've gone off to university but you've taken a gap year after the time most people take a gap year right that's kind of your gap year but you're getting paid for it too so which is kind of neat you're building skills and you're building your teacher sensibilities right 
when you come out of China. When you come back, what's going through your head? Uh, well, I was hoping that I would find a, a job right away, and um, I didn't find one right away. I did find one uh, you know, kind of at the last minute, two days before the new school year started, uh, and that was a gig at Windsor Park with you the first time I was there. That's right. So that was, was that your first job? Uh, yeah, right after coming back from China. That was my first job. How exciting. And uh, just kind of going from term to term, covering a person who was on uh, you know, parental leave and um, and – you know, just uh, each trying to build my skills and move out of the mode of the, the newbie teacher who's frantically working till 10 o'clock at night every night trying to be prepared for the next day and uh, getting more comfortable and more prepared and more confident and kind of getting more things kind of built in my head where I know how to do this without having to write it down in advance, slowly building up those skills. Yeah, in, in those first years of teaching, like I don't remember going to sleep, you know, before midnight. Because you're prepping everything. It's, it's a matter of confidence, right? And over-preparing. Do you find yourself over-preparing as a young teacher? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, was a, I was a new teacher for probably three to five years because yeah. I, I never seemed to get the same, uh, the same courses twice. So I always had lots of new things to do. Uh, but then the upshot of that was after five years, I had done it all. And okay. I, I achieved a level of confidence from that where you can throw whatever you want at me in terms of curriculum um, know it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, you know, and I remember teaching Hamlet for the first time. Boy, that's a hard prep. Even though you've t- taken it at university, you've worked it, and kids love it. Didn't you guys love Hamlet? Uh, I have not done Shakespeare. Oh my gosh, we the, did. We did you, wrong. Actually, we did a few at uh, Windsor Park. We did a few. Yeah, because I was I was department head there and left at, at Windsor Park for a while. English we, department head, and I made sure we did Shakespeare. Yeah, I, I feel like I, I had to fight my staff sometimes because they don't like teaching it. Actually, they don't like teaching. They don't Shakespeare. like teaching it. I love but. teaching Shakespeare. I, I think he's one of the most influential writers and thinkers of all time, and so I really think kids should know it. Now, the language is a barrier. Yeah, I no, get that. we did. We did well, Romeo and Juliet. We did Hamlet and we did Macbeth, and those are great things. Yeah, we did those three. We we're gonna do one more, but I don't. Well, I don't and, and there's a it. cultural piece to it because those those plays will be referred to constantly. So, Zoe, I'm sorry. Your education is lacking. Dang. We had the choice between Shakespeare and poetry, and I regret well, the choosing same. poetry. It's the same thing, though. No, yeah. well, poetry. Shakespeare is poetry. You know, it's it's in the way he speaks. Anyway. You know, a lot of a lot of like but the I, sayings we hear, like we say now, yeah. are just like derivatives of like Shakespeare. Yeah. I like that. Look at this guy. He's a little. You're a little philosopher. I like that. <laughs> well, like I remember. Good for you, like, I remember teachers like screaming that, be like, "You guys didn't know that," and I was like, "Well." I know. Well, that's a teacher trying to make you feel bad. I like <laughs> <No>. that. <laughs> Part of our excellent system. Now, it's it's uh, you went to Costa Rica though. You came Costa back here. You were trying Rica. to Costa Costa Rica. This guy's correcting me. Costa Rica because I think that's it's cost effective. That's why I'm. It actually that is kind of cheap though. Costa Rica. Talk about your Costa Rica experience. When you took it, why you took it? Uh, well, uh, I was engaged um, at the time, uh, and we uh, set a wedding. Uh, my current wife. Uh, Current wife. How many have you had? What is this? A collection? Just the just the one. It's it's, it's lasting. Uh, but Good what happened you, was um, before we were going to buy a house together. I really want to, to make one more trip. Uh, so she picked it um, and said, uh, "My wife is originally from El Salvador. She's she's fluent in Spanish. Um, so she said, let 'Let's go to Central America, maybe Costa Rica.'" 
sorry. I'm not saying it right, uh, but I'm, I, I got to oh, tell you, oh, I have a, a genetic, I have a genetic uh, abnormality that doesn't allow me to roll my R's, unfortunately. So it's, we're just going to have to. I, I notice a lot it, of people like post. forget there's an O there and say cost instead of coast. Costa Rica. Like it's coast. Right. Like it's like the West Coast. Costa Rica. So you really can't roll your R's? Oh, uh, I have to get a running start. <laughs> me too. Well, I'm Italian. I've had to do it. That's tough for me. Arrivederci. That's all. I, I, I can't roll my R's. Uh, actually, Costa Rica is so nice. Like it's, it's, it's all about like I guess like um, I would say like nature tourism. Like it's all about nature. Yeah, so, but insane. my dad yeah. went there for his honeymoon. Beautiful. The pictures are so pretty. Yeah. So, so do you speak Spanish? Sorry to cut you off there. So it's always trying oh, to. I, I took, it's uh, always pouring I out her heart some, here. We we'll just cut her off. Really basic basic conversational Spanish and uh, it's it's degraded really since since leaving there but um, you know again enough to get by certainly more than I more than I picked up uh, Mandarin when I was when I was in mainland China I picked up more Spanish than that but um, yeah you know I would always just say do you speak Spanish uh, un poquito a little hey, bit I, I did uh, to bene I did to bene well it's but I I, I couldn't uh, find well I, I could find teaching work there but I uh, I had a I had a, an offer but it was they need they required a two year commitment we had the wedding date set so I thought okay I guess now's the time to uh, to try that try and get my my freelance career into full gear and um, you know make a living uh, writing and so that's what ended up happening during that year so that was sort of interesting to me for that reason yeah so where did you get your writing chops because you're a prolific writer i see you do reviews of of books in the free press right now and and other th i've noticed other things you've been writing in magazines so how does it how does someone become a freelance writer you uh you have to do a lot of pitching and you need to get better over time and it's not really about the resume when you're trying to, to get a new gig. It's, it's really about the portfolio. So um, part of it is just uh, starting to write and getting practice and getting published. Whoever's willing to take you. So I, you know, I started writing for my, my university newspaper uh, because I was a university student and, and they would publish my stuff. Um, and then uh, I tried writing for a place that wasn't my school newspaper. I found an online web scene and they were willing to publish my stuff and they had you know, decent, decent writers there on staff. And over time, I, I tried to uh, get stronger and stronger so that I was one of the stronger writers on staff. And then I tried to, uh, then I tried to pitch somewhere else that was, a, you know, had a little higher standards that paid a little bit more. And little by little, you kind of work your way up and you save your, your favorite articles so that you can kind of, you can kind of share them every time you're pitching a new place. Hi, my name is Joel. I write mostly about this and this. Here are a couple of my favorite articles. I have a great idea for a story that I think would be good to your magazine. And that's Here's one of the yeah. elevator pitch. And, th and that's it. I think when you're doing that, you've got to be in the mode of, here's what I can do for you. I have an idea for you. And I, I find that in writing too. I, I write the occasional article, mostly about career development now. But everyone, and I've written a couple for the Globe and Mail. Um, but usually you have to send it to them and say, I have an idea. So... Do you like that aspect or do you like the more here's my job, here's what I do? Like there's a there is kind of an unpredictability, kind of an unstructured piece to that. Do you like that kind of living and world? I mean, you know, uh, hard to say. I think I'm maybe I'm ambivalent about it. Uh because it's it's certainly very satisfying to to be in something that's fairly meritocratic. Yes, um, you know, yes. a creative field where uh they'll publish anyone if it's good enough. Uh but 
if it's not good enough, they'll just toss you in the trash. Yeah, and, and they so won't even respond it, to you. I've noticed that too. You yeah. don't even get a call back or nothing. We'll respond to you only if we yeah, want. Sometimes it. you're you're happy just to get you get to get a personalized rejection letter. Like, oh, that rejection <laughs> letter was personalized. Oh, thank you actually you. read some of it and oh, actually took the took time ten seconds to write to reject me. me properly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, different goals for yourself. It's important. He's a teacher. He feels that if I'm going to tell a student, you're not. You're not fulfilling the outcome. I want to do it with kindness. You know what, though? I, I would actually appreciate that, too. I noticed that my report card marks were, like, copied and pasted. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Do you ever notice that, you're, like, that your classmates have the exact same comments yeah, and they just switch out your siblings. name? Okay. Sometimes they don't even switch out, like, the, your pronoun. They're like, he or her. I get, <laughs> yeah. like, a her isn't, like, she's not. I'm like, what? That's not even right. <laughs> yeah, my gym teacher or what used to be like that, he had... What, he had like the same script that he used for everyone. Yeah. Like my my youngest sister, who's six years younger, would have the same one as me. Yeah. So, so you right. got the same comments. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. well, you're some the, from the same family. What's the problem? Well, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I mean, I'm well, kidding. When it's like the entire it, class getting the same comment, I was like, we're either all really great or we're all really bad. Well, I miss those days <laughs> yeah. of I, I miss those days of satisfactory achievement. Okay, those were beautiful comments. Those allowed us to move on with our lives. Anyway, I'm kidding. Anyway, so. You weren't able to make enough money writing to live in Costa Rica. You got that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, not initially. Uh, for the first month or two, um, you know, I wasn't getting enough bites. And then uh, <laughs> I got a couple of regular regular. Is that a pun? You like, like, oh. were, were you starving a bit too? Well, I, uh, I sold my car uh, right before we left, and I got a couple of thousand dollars. Okay. And then uh, after plane tickets, we had maybe $800 left. And uh, that was enough to, to cover rent and food for, for two months. And then by the third month, it's like, okay, we need money coming in. And then that's, that's when it happened. Okay. Okay. So what, now, what would you, now you're back in town. Now you've been in town and you've been subbing. You were at the Manitoba Métis Federation, correct? For a long time. Mm -hmm. uh, I was, yeah, uh, eight years before I left there a year and a half ago. And that's part of your heritage too. You're, you're a proud Métis, are you not, sir? Yeah, I am part of the uh, River Métis. Um, and before I was at the Manitoba Métis Federation, I, I did work in a couple of First Nations schools as well. So I, I sort of have uh, a bit of a broader experience in the Indigenous education world. Very good, very good. So now, I mean, you've, when you worked at the Manitoba Métis Federation, you actually became a director, didn't you? Like you, you were moving up the ladder a bit. I did, uh, yeah. I, I became the director of... Uh, of our school, of our adult learning center. Uh, I still was teaching at that time, uh, but I had a reduced uh, reduced load so that I could also handle all the administrative duties. Um, there's not as much uh, hauling kids into the office to yell at them as there are like in a, a middle school. Um, you know, these are adults. They're 19 years of age and older. It wasn't that often that we had to have these one-on-one -on -one talks. Yes. But there are all kinds of, so what all kinds you... of things, just managing the budget, yes. et cetera. Now, do you like that part? Did you like teaching adults? Did you like teaching high school kids? What, where do you find you lean toward here? No, I don't lean. Um, I really like, uh, I like different age groups. I always thought I would even teach early years at some point. Okay. I thought, you know, maybe 20 years in the future, I'll, I'll get towards retirement and I'll say, let's switch to fourth or fifth grade for my last five years. That's really hard, um, man. So, That's hard work. I've been in some classrooms. I, some... I, yeah, I, I know it is, but I, at the same time, you don't want to keep, you want to keep yourself interested, which means you have to keep challenging yourself. Right on. You need to keep challenging yourself. But how does that work? Like, if you were, if you're used to teaching, I guess, 
all of these high, like you're like older students, right? And then you have to kind of just go down, like all these grades. These students don't have the same, like mental capabilities well, you, as like a grade twelve would. Well, what do you think, Joel? Like you, you just have you to have keep, to learn and you yeah. have to adjust. Yeah, I feel yeah, like that would drive can, me crazy. You do things the same Everything way. Everything drives you crazy. No, but like imagine like you could before you could actually speak with your students and have a conversation, and now there's kids running around screaming and picking their noses. You like, don't. What? Well, you don't know. No, great. But not fourth and fifth graders. I I've been in classrooms where I've seen incredible teachers, like grade fours and fives, like one and twos, grade fours and fives. Teachers are in so command of that classroom and have so many student, so much student connectivity, and just it's it's an incredible learning atmosphere. It's a great movement. You're right, Akira, to come down from high school where it's a credit system to come down to more of a holistic system. So I, I can see Joel wanted to do that. fail in middle school. I don't well, you can, you can not do as well as others, right? Yeah. <laughs> Based on the curriculum. Well, Our, I had an old friend and her dad failed grade two. I know in he the old days. Grade we grade two. You, you can, I, yeah, I don't think we'd ever do that do anymore. That. <laughs> I, I don't think we do that anymore. But is that what it is? Like more, you'd like to get more into a holistic view of the child at, at an earlier year, Joel? I, I think I could see that. Especially now that I have kids myself you know my oldest is is just starting grade one this year so um that makes me even more interested in doing that but um you know that may not happen and that's fine too you know right now i'm working with nine to twelves i have a lot of fun with my grade nine kids um you know i i have a well i have a class every day uh with my grade nines a zoom class i also have students that uh aren't aren't in the uh live video classes but instead they're working independently and i have right. set up individual meetings with them but those grade nines uh you know they're really interested in in uh, learning about the atom they're really they have all kinds of great questions like oh is that the reason this happens is that the reason that happens what about this they have so many questions uh, yes. i love it yes and there's more curiosity at younger ages right the research shows that it kind of diminishes as you as we as we get a part of the system become a part of the system hey let me like now you've done some cool things now you're at informnet and you're influencing youth in great ways. If you were looking back to high school and you were, t- or you came into a class and you were sitting uh, or standing and listening or, or talking to some high school students, what would you tell them? What advice would you give them based on the journey you've had? Well, um, just looking at the job I have right now, uh, I've, I've had some other experiences that we haven't really touched on. Like I, I did, um, you know, content development for a for-profit test prep company uh, for a few years. And I, I was creating uh, uh, test prep books. They're kind of like textbooks, but they weren't part of like a college or university curriculum. They were part of, you know, preparing for like the MCAT, preparing for the LSAT if you're trying to get to law school or med school, those kinds of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, good, good publishing uh, good publishing experience there for me in terms of my writing career. But now, now that I find myself at InformNet, um, you know, a good chunk of my classes are these blended classes where students uh, have access to content online. They work at their own pace, they create their own schedule, and they set up individual means with me when they're stuck on something. But we don't have a daily scheduled class, and that's uh, a good chunk of my students. And uh, part of my job is uh, looking at these uh, this online course material and creating supplementary material saying, I see students have trouble with this. The text explanation is not, not good enough. I need to add some, some images, so I have to create some of those. I have to mock something up. And, well, I'll be honest with you, I don't use Photoshop. I use Microsoft Paint. I'm pretty low tech <laughs> on that. Uh, or I need to make a video uh, that I go through it. And, and, uh, that's, and that's just a part of the job. And um, I think of that as oh, this is content development. I, I did this yeah, on yeah. a contract basis for yeah. years. I have yeah. a bunch of published books that I've contributed to as content development. 
my other who have more traditional teaching backgrounds and do a sideline as a as a writer they're not thinking of it in those terms but i am so and to come back to your question of advice um you never know what kind of skill set you might have that you could bring into a future role you know i wasn't hired at this job to to be a writer i wasn't hired based on the based on my writing background but i have a writing background so i'm going to use it yes right on so building skills adding more skills to your to your uh your toolbox you're not going to use everything all the time uh but you never you never quite know yes you're connecting those dots so you can use them later wow That, that was Zoe said that. You're collecting <laughs> that. those dots and you're connecting them. Wow. That's what we talk about. You know, look at Zoe. Brings it all to a close here. Hey, look at. Fantastic. You, you've been a really neat guest. Really neat. Really neat. Really neat life that you're leading and the dots that you've collected in your life have really shaped you, Joel, and, and helped you and, and helped you develop this sensibility about helping others and looking for the best way to do something with students. I really like that. I, I, I just, I see nothing but great things for you down the road is always it's always I love going for lunch with you too we every once in a while but once a year we go for lunch and it's uh, it's awesome I got to buy the lunch next time just don't forget that okay? <laughs> yeah let's let's sh- sh- make sure that we book up 2022 pretty soon that's right fill up for me. that's right it's filling up for you of course you're a busy important person I uh, of course my schedule is always free and um, it's time for the whip it round okay we're gonna do the, we have yes. this lame activity that we do with our Two students here. They're trying to develop great questions. So, Joel, you're ready for the whip it round. We're going to ask you some quick questions. Turn it over to Zoe right now. All right. So, yeah, we're going to ask you a series of questions. You have to ask the. Uh, sorry, you have to answer them as fast as you can. And yeah, so I'll ask the first few questions, and then Akira will take over with the last questions. And answer them quickly, Joel. Okay. Don't yes. don't even think about them. They got to come off the top of your head. All right. Yeah. You ready? Okay. Ready. All right. What's your favorite math equation? What <laughs> question is that? <laughs> well, it's going to be hard to say, but uh, there's an equation. It's uh, the E, E for Euler's constant, E to the exponent of pi times I uh, plus 1 is equal to 0. All right. Holy the, smokes. It's a great equation. You should, I won't talk about it, but you should look it up. It's a great okay, equation. Okay, these got to be quick, Joel, okay? Okay. okay um, I'll go faster. Oh, uh, your favorite place in the world? Uh, Winnipeg. A cheese or roast beef sandwich? Oh, uh, roast beef. What's your favorite book? Hatchets. And what's your favorite podcast? Oh, this one. Obviously. Oh, oh good answer, good answer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, project-based learning versus conventional learning. Uh, I think that you should build your class so that there are multiple ways to learn and let your students pick. Perfect. Uh, is, your me- is your desk messy or clean? Uh, messy. Costa Rica, China, or Winnipeg? I'm going to still stick with Winnipeg. Writing or physics? Oh, that's hard. Uh, how about writing about physics? That's a good answer. All right, you just got... Whoop! You just got whooped, okay? And of course, <laughs> Akira's paying great attention. Zoe asked that question about what's your favorite I, I heard place. that one, and, and I was you, like, ah, oh, man. And then he asked the same question. I get, that's why it's lame. 
because these Well, two... she asked the math. She was like, what's your favorite equation? I thought that was kind of brilliant. I can't believe, Joel, I can't believe I had an answer to that. Holy smokes. <laughs> I thought you'd say E equals MC squared or something like that. I was going to say like, like the quadratic formula or, or something. Or F yeah. equals MA X as a physics equals minus, guy. whatever. Anyway, hey, Joel, this was a lot of fun. I hope you had some... Sorry? E equals MC squared is great. Okay, yeah. Okay. <laughs> that was the other one. All right. <laughs> anyway, hey, you've been a, it's, it's been fun to chat with you. It's always fun to fun to connect with you. And uh, you know what? We will do that lunch down the road for sure uh, in 2022. As and more of these safety protocols kind of dissipate. I hope I hope they do. And uh, we we will get together. But it's been what you two? Any last comments? Akira, Zoe. Has Joel changed your mind about what you should pursue in your life? Anything like that? No, uh, but I did. I actually, I love talking like with teachers about like, I, I like giving my perspective when it comes to like learning. I like it. I, like I it. honestly love it. And especially when teachers are like, yeah, you know what? That's right. That's right. Okay. So it's like, good. You're willing to listen. Yeah, it makes good. sense. Yeah. Makes sense. All right, everybody. Hey, Joel, thanks very much. It's been a lot of fun. And ladies and gentlemen, that's a wrap on... Adventures in Careerland!